And let's stand up and praise the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lift up the Lamb of God. He's worthy to be praised. Father, we welcome you in this place right now, Father. You have given us a reason to praise, Lord, simply because of who you are, what you've done in our lives, Father, over the last so many years. Thank you, Father, for giving us a reason to praise you. We always have a reason. When I'm at my head, you're just getting started. When I hit a wall, you just walk through. When I face a mountain, you are the maker. So it's got to move. When I'm out of faith, you are still faithful. When I'm at my worst, you are still good. And all of my questions, you are the answer. It's all points to you. Because you're the God of the breakthrough. When I'm breaking down, you'll be working a way through. When there's no way out, this one thing I know. Still on your throne, so whatever I'm feeling, I still got a reason to praise, praise, praise. I still got a reason to praise. Out of our wrongs, you write a story, and out of the cross come rivers of grace and out of the grave burst of revival no tomb can contain the god of the breakthrough when i'm breaking down you'll be working away through when there's no way out this one thing i know you're still on your throne I'm feeling I still got a reason to praise, praise, and praise. I still got a reason to praise, praise, and praise. I still got a reason to praise. Doubt of wrong you write a story and out of the cross come rivers of grace and out of the grave burst of revival no two can contain you're the god of the breakthrough when i'm breaking down you'll be working away through when there's no Still got a reason to praise. 
come around tribals, they come to life, deserts to paradise, stones they start rolling away. And when you come around, my heart starts to beat again, long stretch to breathe you in, souls just erupt into praise. When you come around, tribals, they come to life, deserts to paradise, and souls just start rolling away. break when I'm breaking down you'll be working way through when there's no way out this one thing I know I'm still on your throne so wherever I'm feeling I still got a reason to praise You're the God of the breakthrough. When I'm breaking down, you'll be working way through. When there's no way out, this one thing I know, you're still on your throne. So whatever I'm feeling, I still got a reason. But it couldn't feel me A melting tea praise Treasures that fade Are never enough Then you came along And you put me back together And every desire Is now satisfied Hearing your love Oh, there's nothing Better than you, Lord There's nothing Better than you, Lord There's nothing Nothing is better than you Oh, there's nothing To show you my weakness, my failures and flaws, Lord, you seen them all, and you still call me friend. Cause the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. Oh, there's not a place in mercy and grace. 
sing that again there's nothing better than the king of kings and lord of lords oh there's nothing better than you lord there's nothing better than you lord there's nothing nothing is better than you can you tell him one more time let's tell him lord there's nothing Better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Better than you. Lord, there's nothing. 
Nothing is better than you. Thank you, Father. There's nothing better than you, Lord. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom to know just what you do. I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you, Lord, my shield. I will love you, Lord, my rock. Forever, all my days, I will love you, God. And God, I look to you, I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you, you're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom, you know just what to do. I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you, Lord, my shield. I will love you, Lord, my rock. Forever, all my days, I will love you, God.
cry holy all the people cry holy 
all of creation cries home. All of creation cries worthy. Worthy is the Lamb of God who was and is and is to come. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. In all your ways you are holy. your ways you are holy. In all your ways you are holy.
angels cry holy. All creation cries holy. You are lifted high, holy. Holy, holy, holy. And the angels cry holy. All creation cries holy. You are lifted high, holy, holy forever. And the angels cry. Creation cries, holy, you are lifted high, holy, holy forever, and the angels cry. Holy, 
several days I've been feeling sensing this but I felt he was saying and of course my mind I'm thinking over in Revelation whatever but he took me to the Isaiah there was an awakening in the book of Isaiah when Isaiah says in the year that King Uzziah died I saw the Lord and 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 if you read it it says and that the sound of his voice that the very pillars of the temple were shaken they were vibrated. They were they were moved by by that, by it. And and he, he, the revelation that came more than anything, he says, "I am an unholy man among an unholy people with an unholy tongue." He said, "And I have seen the Lord God 
who is holy. There was a revelation of God in that, that way that caused the man of God to feel like he said, I'm going to die. I'm, I've, I've been, I'm a, I am unworthy to have seen him. And I just want to tell you, these words that we're seeing, put them back up there again. Where, where it says where the people cry. If we could get back to that part where, where your people sing holy to the king of kings. The Holy Spirit is saying, tell the church, do not lose sight of the very truth that is in this word that we are singing right now. That it is not about what is happening or not happening or taking place, not taking place, but it's who he is. And that he is a holy God. He is an awesome God. There's no one like him. And let them know that there are some upheavals coming that have yet to come even greater than have already taken place. And, and the world around them will be shaken by it. And even those within the church whose foundation is not rock solid, they will be shaken by it. But those who keep their eyes on the fact that he is the king of kings he is holy and nothing changes about him he rules over all dominion he rules over all power he rules we cannot i feel holy spirit saying tell them do not lose sight of that if they don't have sight of it let them now use this time to begin to focus and drill down on that of who he is because when the shaking begins to take place and people around them begin to be worried, they are to become steady and sure for they, they are built upon the rock that will not fall, will not fail, will not be moved in times of trouble. And we should, if we can't sing to the praises and the worship to him now, We'll not be able to sing it when that time comes. This is a prelude to what is down the road. God said it's coming. It cannot be stopped, will not be thwarted. It is about to come because it is bringing about an awakening in the earth, an awakening that is a part of God's plan. So I want us to sing this song one more time. And I want you to really sing it. I want you to think about the, the words. King of kings, holy, you will always be. Holy, holy forever. Hear the people sing. The King of Kings. Come on, church, sing it. Holy, you will always be. Holy, holy forever. Know that part about dominion, power, the bridge. Because your name is the highest. Your name. Is the greatest your name? Oh, it stands above them all. Come on, sing it. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name. Oh, it stands. 
heavens and above them all. Sing it again. Jesus, your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name, oh, it stands above them all. And all thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name would stand. for the revelation of who you are through your son Jesus Christ that the word of God became flesh and came and dwelt among us and that we might know you Jesus said I've come that you might know the father that you have seen me you've seen the father if you've heard me you've heard the father God we thank you for the revelation of who you are and we thank you father that that which you have begun you are more than capable to finish and bring about to completion lord god and father we are living in the most exciting days of the church of jesus christ god it is a time that you have ordained and foretold and decreed and we have the privilege of partnering with you lord god in that which you are doing so we say as we say so many times lord let your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives in our homes in our marriages in our families 
in our children, in our grandchildren, in our churches, Lord, in our nation, Lord. God, let your kingdom purposes be brought forth. We pray for a supernatural move of your spirit in the Acadiana area, Father. We pray for an outbreak of the Spirit of God. Father, one that cannot be contained, one that not that cannot be held by man's hand, but by the Spirit of the Lord Himself. Father, we thank you and we praise you. There is an expectation in the hearts of your people. We hear the whisper of the king saying, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Father, we know that you're doing something that yet cannot be perceived with our own mind and understanding our own ears, but our spiritual eyes and ears are hearing the voice of the Spirit saying, get ready. We thank you, Father, that we are called your children, your people, for such a time as this. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have I given the Lord just praise this morning? Lift up your voice. Lift up your head. Give him a shout of praise. Come on, come on, you can do better. It may be cold outside, but the fire of the Lord is inside this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. He's the you turn to two or three people and say, I'm expecting something from God today. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let me make a quick announcement to you that are here. and We're glad that you're here. And uh, our cold weather came, then it left for a day, then it's back. And, it, and, I'm just, and now we need to pray for this coming week because if you've not seen, they're calling for massive amounts of rain and flooding in our area. And, and uh, they're calling it a false spring. I've never heard that term before in my 68 years, I've never heard of a false spring. And uh, I've heard of a false summer, you know, that kind of thing, but not a false spring. And, um, but anyway, so we need to just pray and uh, that God just 
let the water flow past everything and no, no flooding, no, nobody be harmed. Amen. I need to make a quick announcement. Um, Pastor Tracy upstairs asked for a kid, that there's a Kids for Life parent meeting today after service. Um, it's for parents of kids ages 6 to 13 um, upstairs in the children's area. Uh, says she's going to let you know about all the things they have planned for this year, but more, most importantly, camp information and fundraiser materials are going to be handed out at, at that meeting. So um, please talk to her, and, and if that covers you, then that's where it is. If you don't know where upstairs is, ask somebody. They'll tell you where upstairs is. It's up there. <laughs> okay? Amen. And uh, let me just say that those of you uh, may have received an email this week of your contribution statements. Um, if you, if uh, we had a little snafu so that if you uh, gave online and all your giving was online, then the receipt that you have is complete according to our records. We can go back and look at it if you say there's a difference. But if you gave online and in person, or you just gave in person, uh, those are going out uh, tomorrow. And so you'll get those in the regular mail. We weren't able to email those out. So anyway, we thank you for your giving. We thank you for your faithfulness in that. And so I want you to watch this 30-second time-lapse film. There's no sound. Don't worry about it. <laughs> The message this morning is called Spiritual Transformation. In fact, it's going to be a series that we're starting. Um, I had so much for the first part, I've divided it into three parts. So praise God. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be having supper by the time you got out, you know. And, um, but what you have just watched, and I, I had another version, took a couple minutes, but you know what, we can... We can move on with that. But what you have just watched is a time-lapse video of what biologists call metamorphosis, okay? Uh, metamorphosis defined is the pro it, as far as zoology, animals, um, uh, uh, like uh, uh, butterflies, uh, frogs, you know, amphibious things. It's the process of transformation from an immature form to an adult form in two or more distinct stages. That's an incredible definition in and of itself by, for where we're going. But it also can mean, and, when, and it's used in this position as a noun, it's the change of the form or nature of a thing or a person into a completely different one, whether by natural or supernatural means. For example, if a person, let's say, is an unknown person, uh, let's say, unknown, and, and growing up was like everybody just never considered them anything special, and years later, they become a world-renowned violinist. There's a transformation process that has taken place naturally. But we're talking about spiritual transformation, and, and the reason is because 
The transformation means a thorough, say thorough, not partial, but a thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. Now, the reason that I'm focusing in on this is because at the end of last year, as I was praying, I was saying, Lord, I, I want direction. I want to hear from you. And God gave me one Wednesday morning in prayer at the church. He spoke this word, transformation. And I couldn't get away from it. And as I prayed into that, you say, well, what does that mean? I, well, I felt like the Lord was saying, this is the word that I'm speaking to you. And, and so I begin to pray and say, what is it that you're trying to say to me? Reveal that to me. Not, not just go, I got a word. You know, what are you going to do with that? And what does it mean? And so as I prayed into it, I felt like the Holy Spirit, I began praying, Lord, let there be transformation in my life. Let there be transformation in my marriage. Let there be transformation in my family. Let there be transformation in my children, in my grandchildren. Let there be transformation in our church. Let there be transformation in our city. Let there be transformation in our nation. Let there be transformation in the body of Christ. So it's one thing to use the word, and it's another thing to understand it. So what we saw in that time lapse, and there was a few things that were left out because I didn't want to do like a four-minute biology class for you uh, on, on video there, but a butterfly, how many like butterflies? Man, when I lived up in Tennessee and I opened my first restaurant up there one evening, we had a monarch butterfly. Have you, how many of you know what those are? Those things are humongous, and they're beautiful. And he flew in the door. It was a sonic drive-in. He flew in the door, and of course the car hops, and the key people up, up front were like, it was at nighttime, and this thing flew in. It was huge. We thought it was a bat at first that came into the place. And we saw this gorgeous blue um, um, just incredible design on the wings and everything. And it was flying around, then it moved into the kitchen area. So all the kitchen fry, everybody's like this, and it's flying around. I'm thinking it's going to get sucked up in the hood, you know. And, and, and it almost did, and it came back down again and took a deep dive right into one of the fryers. And I said, he went to meet Jesus. And I said, turn that fryer off. We got to filter it. And, um, but uh, the, in, in, in the life cycle of a butterfly, a butterfly starts by laying eggs on a leaf, little tiny microscopic eggs that are on the leaf. And then within a very short time, those eggs uh, hatch and little larvae are brought out, little tiny. I don't want to put that up there because it kind of looks kind of gross, you know, but these little larvae come out and they start eating immediately. They start eating the leaf that they were born on. And, to, and, they, and they begin to grow, and it becomes a caterpillar. And, and then what's interesting is that as the caterpillar grows, it molts. It sheds its skin. You know why? Because the inside is growing, but the outside of the skin does not. 
And so it, it can only stretch so far, and so then it has to molt and leave that skin behind because the inside's growing. And that may happen a couple times over the life of that caterpillar, and it just eats and eats and eats and eats and eats and eats. If you ever had a garden and a caterpillar get in there and just take down your tomato plants or something else, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and then suddenly... And within a few weeks, it goes into a stage where it, it, it forms what we know as a cocoon. There's a scientific word for that, but we won't go into all that. But it forms a cocoon. That's what you saw. And, and, and then it's inside that cocoon that it hangs there for a couple of weeks. And, and one of the things that was interesting to me was that it says it must remain motionless. So that thing's not dead, it's alive. In fact, they said the inside literally almost just liquefies into a soup and then begins to reform, but it has to remain motionless, otherwise it'll be attacked by predators. And so after a period of time, inside that thing, this metamorphosis is taking place. And then this new being that has the same DNA that originally that it was born with begins to push and struggle against the chrysalis on the outside, that, that cocoon. And it begins to push against that and struggle against that and push and push and push until it begins to crack open and the butterfly begins to descend. But it's still not in its full mature position. Because it's interesting to watch it because all of a sudden the butterfly comes out and then turns around and is hanging and, and it begins to vibrate like this so that the blood can begin to flow into the wings all the way down into its body and then the wings stretch out and it still has to wait for the wings to dry. And then suddenly the butterfly flies off and begins to draw nectar from flowers, and within a short period of time, it begins the process again. It finds a leaf, it lays the eggs, and the process recycles again. And you think, well, what's the point? It, it goes from larva to an ugly green worm, if I could put it that way, into a beautiful butterfly. That is transformation. And it is probably one of the greatest examples from the living God about what his desire for your life and mine is. God's ultimate desire is that you would become an amazing, beautiful person. And you say... Are you saying I'm not? Let's just say none of us have arrived yet. Right? Come on now. I'm, and when I say this, I'm not saying uh, you're not, perfection is not what we're talking about. And we're not talking a like a person who's got it all together because there's no such person that has it all together. There's not a single person in this room, including me. We do, I do not have it all together. You do not have it all together. But I am more together than I used to be. Okay? I thank God I am not where I used to be. But I thank God that he doesn't intend me to stay where I am. Because there is more. That, 
And this is what we need to understand. This is what the transformed Christian life is all about. Now that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? That God wants to come with the DNA that we're born with and change us and transform us into an amazing and beautiful person. Man, who would not want that? Well, here's the problem. Most people that really say they want change, including Christians, don't change. They want it. They're enamored by the idea, but they don't change. It's a multi-billion dollar industry in the world today, and it's called self-help. And you know what the transitional process for self-help is? Do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. In other words, it's up to you. Do this, don't do that. That's going to transform your life. Well, how many of you know that doesn't work? Because change is hard. Come on now. I don't remember them all, but I know there's three or four reasons why they say people don't change, and the only time that they will change is when these things happen. And the one I remember the most is when the, when the pain of staying the same is more than the pain of change, then people will change. And so every year in January... December, January of every year, millions of people make resolutions to change. Every fitness place will be packed for a few weeks. Millions of people declare, I'm going to change my eating habits. Millions of people declare, I'm going to pick up a new hobby. I'm going to make a lifestyle change, whether regarding alcohol or drugs or pornography or some other habit or whatever. And within weeks, they fall back to the same old habits. Why? Because they're relying on self-help. And self-help says, do this, do, don't do that. And change, believe it or not, is even hard for Christians. And, and, and for years, I've asked myself, Lord, why is this so hard? And I'll be honest, I've never taught this before. I've never taught in this arena area before. I may have alluded to, but I've never really dug down deep into this. And I think, I think it's part of it's because of our culture. We live in a culture where we want things instant. We want to click our heels three times and blink our eyes and Ta-da! Jesus is done with us. No. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it, it doesn't work that way in the world. I mean, people are spending millions of dollars to have surgery to change their looks. It doesn't change who you are. Your DNA is still the same. And though... We want, Christians, even though we want and long to see change in our lives, according to Gallup and uh, Barna Research, the polls that they have taken, they found that Christians, those who profess to be born-again Christians or profess to be Christian and follow the Christian faith, 
they don't live significantly different than their non-Christian counterparts. They don't. It was D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, who said, the Bible was not given for our information, but for our transformation. And that's the problem with a lot of Christians today. We think if I can get smarter and learn more, take more classes and, and, and study harder, and look, there's nothing wrong with that. But information in and of itself will not bring transformation. I know people who have done things, gotten in trouble, and when I go and ask them, why did you do this? They go, I don't know. I said, did you know it was wrong? Yes. Then why did you do it? I don't know. They know. It was because they knew what they needed to do, but they didn't want to do it because it was difficult. And they want to blame someone else for their problems or someone else for their situation or circumstances, and that's the culture in which we live today. So let me ask you a question before we get into this first part of it today. Let me ask you a question. If you would be listening to the whisper of God right now, what would he want to change in you? What's one thing? If you would listen to the whisper of the Lord right now, what's the one thing he would want to change in you? And some of you are doing like this. La, 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 Because you don't want to hear. But I don't care. God's still speaking. I'm talking about inside you. You, you know, you can't say, well, I'd like God to make me six inches taller, or I'd like to have hair, or I'd like to be 50 pounds lighter. Or I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about on the inside. Would it be that you really want to become more patient? Would it be that you really need to obey him about being generous? Would it be that you wouldn't compare yourselves to, with other people? That comes from two different viewpoints. You see people and compare yourself and put yourself down, or you compare yourself to other people and you put them down. Would it be that you, you don't like who you are deep down inside? Would it be that you're addicted to work or alcohol or drugs or sex or whatever? Here's what you need to understand. This is an absolute truth. God wants to bring his change in us. He wants to do that. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to bring change in me. That's what you need to say. Now, now I heard somebody say, God wants to bring change in Pastor Bob. That's not what I said. <laughs> He does, but that's not what I told you to say. He wants to bring change in us, and believe it or not, it's the things that we want him to change. So where's the problem? It's because we don't understand the process. And I have to tell you, I almost used a little short video of Nick Saban, and I thought it could be, that would be okay because now he's gone. You know, I mean, for all you LSU folks and whatever. And, and, uh, but he, I found 26 videos on YouTube alone, just in a quick search, where 
he talks about the process, the process, the process, the process. And it's, it's personally, to me, it's one of the things that's ruining the sport today. It's because money and greed and, and idolatry and everything else is, be, is snuck into it, and it's no longer about being the best and loyalty and all that kind of stuff, but that's a, that's a different story. We, if we don't understand the spiritual process of spiritual transformation, and it's really in three parts. And the first one is it begins with a spiritual birth, okay? If I had shown you the other biology thing, you would have seen the eggs laid and you would have seen the larva come out and all of that. And, and, and spiritual birth, and next to the word is the word justification, Okay, that's a big fancy word. But in other words, it says, in other words, spiritual birth deals with the fact that we are already physically born, right? But this is where Jesus gives you new life. The Bible speaks of it as being born again. Jesus met a religious leader named Nicodemus, and he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And the man goes, how can a man who is old enter into his mother's womb again? And he didn't get it at all. And Jesus says, are you a teacher of the law, and you still don't understand this very basic, basic thing? You have to be born again. We're already born physically, but Jesus gives us life. The Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in Rome, and it says, therefore, since we have been, say have been, have been, past tense, it's already transpired, have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That means that at some specific moment in time, we came to understand that we, fall, we, we fell short or have fallen short of, the, of, of being perfect before a holy God. And that falling short is called sin. Oh, today in the church, churches don't mention sin. That's unpopular. We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. Well, I'm not here to make you feel comfortable. I'm here to tell you the truth. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory or the manifestation or the perfectness of God. And, and so justification means we turn from our sin. That's called repentance. And repentance is not remorse. Remorse is being sorry being sorry. I know people in jail who've been there multiple times, and every time they're sorry, but they don't repent. Repent is to have a change of thinking that aligns spiritually, that aligns with God's word, what God's word says, and that thinking brings about a change in our lifestyle, in who we are. We begin to see sin as God says it is, not as we want it to be. See, instead of saying it's sin before a holy God, we'll say it's a weakness, as if it's something you can correct by spiritual aerobics. Uh-uh. It's sin before a holy God. And, and we ask God to forgive us, and solely based on Christ, his work on the cross, and his resurrection, by believing that, and, and, and accepting that, in that moment, 
His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, enters our life and we are declared righteous in the eyes of God. And you don't know what righteous means. It means, in other words, right standing in the eyes of God. In other words, we have been justified. In other words, you were guilty, but through the work of Jesus Christ, your crime, your sin before a holy God has been stamped out cleared off the books, and you are now clean and stand righteous, completely whole before a holy God. That's where it starts. We become a son or daughter of Jesus Christ through his work of the Father. That's who we become. He becomes our heavenly Father. I, many times when I pray with someone to receive, to surrender their life to the Lord, and I explain, that means you're putting God in charge of the whole thing. I said, now pray this prayer with me. And I never pray, Heavenly Father, because at that moment, they're, they're not, God is not their Father. I say, dear God in heaven, because I'm putting them in a position where they understand where they are right now. Dear God in heaven, I have sinned against you. You are a holy God, and I am a sinner in need of forgiveness. See? And then at that point, I said, I prayed, dear Jesus, come into my life. I surrender my life. I repent of my sin. I turn towards you. I surrender all my aspirations, my dreams, my goals, everything. I surrender to you. Jesus, come and take control of my life. You rule in my life. You lead my life. All of those things. And I help them to understand it so that when they say amen, they can now say, my father. That is... That is that transformation process. That, that's where it begins. Now, but that, that, that's not the complete part. And for the most of the American church, those who preach salvation, that's the end goal. To get a name on a card and say we had this many people who gave their lives to Christ. That is a harmful thing that the church does. Because it, you're, you're baby, basically saying we birth in babies and then we're putting them outside on the sidewalk. We have to understand there's a process, okay? So the first part deals with what? The first part deals with the fact that there is a spiritual birth that makes us justified with God. The second part is then there's spiritual growth. Okay, we have spiritual birth but then there's spiritual growth, and the word next to it is sanctification. And I know those are big words, but I put underneath. Sanctification means to be set apart, to be wholly different. And holy is not H-O-L-Y, though it could apply, but I mean, it is to be totally different, okay? And, and sanctification, and we're to be different. Not in a weird way, you know. I mean, I remember as a teenager when I first started running from God and everything, and I'd hear people talk about holy rollers. I had no idea what holy rollers were. Never heard of that. 
didn't grow up that way. And I just figured, they said, oh, that's some just wacko, weirdo people, you know. And they, that's in that church across the high, uh, down on the other side of town, across the tracks, you know, where nobody goes over there, that kind of thing. I'm like, I'd like to go see that sometime, you know, what that's all about. But I, I'm not talking God. God's not calling us to be weird or strange, but he's not calling us to blend in either. He's calling us to... <laughs> He's calling us to be progressively different and become more like Jesus. Listen, the minute that Christ comes in your life, you are justified in the eyes of God. You are forgiven in the eyes of God. You may be forgiven, but you're not perfect. And, and some people get depressed over that and other people use that as a license to continue living the way they were before they accepted Christ. Well, I'm never going to be perfect, so I might as well just live the way I am. You do not understand the process. You really don't. And he begins to change us through a process on the inside out. In 2 Corinthians 5.17... It says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. If any person is in Christ, means you've turned from your life of sin. You've invited Christ into your life. You become a new creation. You go from being an ugly green worm to a beautiful butterfly. Okay? You're a new creation. The same DNA that was in that green worm was the same exact DNA in the butterfly. When you give before Christ, that you have a certain DNA inside of you. After Christ, that DNA is the same. You're not changed in that way. Don't go look in the mirror and go, well, I look the same. You, you're the same person. But here's the thing. The old things pass away, and now a process begins. And this is the thing that throws so many Christians off is they don't understand it's a process. We don't want a process. I mean, again, I told you last week, I, I've been getting bombarded for like three or four weeks from food services, you know, and, and, and I'm not against them if you can afford them. That's great, you know, I mean, and, and uh, but I mean, the, the ones that seem to be coming now more and more are the ones where you, it used to be the food service came, gave you all the stuff, measured, pre-cut, prepared, right? And it gave you the recipe, and it told you the process of cooking that meal. I thought, well, that's pretty cool, you know, because a lot of times around here you, you see something, and then you look at it, and you think, I can't find that in my area, you know, so I thought that was pretty cool. Then it, they went from that to where it's, it's ready to be cooked. All you got to do is read the, in other words, you just clip it, open it, stick it in the oven, and it's done. Now it's like even faster than that, three minutes in the microwave. I'm like, we've gone from where you've got to cook the meal and process it in that 30 minutes, or no, no more than 30 minutes, they say. 
And I'm thinking, yeah, I'd like to time some of those recipes because I've seen them. You know, I said, imagine a person who doesn't know anything in the kitchen taking 30 minutes to cook one of the meals. It's going to take an hour plus. Easy. But, but now it's 30 minutes or less. And they're selling like crazy because people want instant. They want convenience. They want all of that. What they don't understand in the Christian life is that you may be saved, you may be born again, you may be justified with God, but now begins the process. I have never seen a newborn baby birth one day and walking the next. And it is, you know, please don't take me wrong, but it would be abnormal for a healthy human being 29 years old to be wanting to sleep in a crib and wear a diaper of their own, I'm talking about of their own choosing, right? Come on now. That's not normal. That's not healthy either. And what the spiritual transformation is a process. In fact, I want to read this from the New Living Translation because it really brings this out. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, has, past tense, right? In other words, it, they have become a new person, they are presently, but look what it says. The old life is gone. Say, is gone. It's gone. When the devil wants to remind you about it, just tell him, it's gone. Hit the door. Get out of here. It's under the blood of Christ. But look what it says. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Wow. That's, see, most translations say the old is gone and, 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 and everything's become new. It sounds like I've got it. I've arrived. No. It's a process. And we need to understand that. The old, grammatically, it literally says, the old things have passed away and you are becoming new. You are becoming new. But I want to be new now. You're becoming new. But I don't want to go through the process. Guess what? No choice. In other words, you've, you've trusted Christ. You've declared your righteousness, the righteousness of God in your life. You're a son or a daughter in God. And then at this point, the process of growing in Christ begins. And just like a brand new baby who starts with mother's milk, and then at some point begins to eat soft foods, and eventually is able to eat table foods and continues to grow, there is a process that you cannot rush. You can't, there's no spiritual microwave for spiritual transformation. It doesn't work. And those who try will fall back into their old ways. And the Bible says they will be worse off than if they had never come to Christ. Now, some people won't agree with that, but that's what the Bible says. So it, it, this process goes all the way from the time we give our life to Christ to either 
Jesus comes back to get us or you die and go meet him. You never graduate from this school. There's always another level. There's always another lesson. There's always growth in God. I've, I've told this a couple times before, but I remember in the early part of the charismatic move, and um, when the Holy Spirit began pouring out in, not, in mainline denominational churches and stuff, and I, I, the, the, my freshman year in Bible college, I heard Bob Mumford, and it's amazing, he's still around today, um, but he was like one of the big, big chiefs, so to speak, in the early charismatic move. And, and if he was speaking, thousands of people would flock to go there. Now, this was before internet, before everything that we have today. There was, this is, there was nothing out there before. You just have to understand there was really virtually nothing out there. There was no, today, people, you have so much out there. Some of it's good, some of it's not. But so thousands of people would come to hear this man speak. And I heard him speak one time a message. And I know I still have the cassette tape. Some of you going, what is a cassette tape? I, and I'm still trying to find it. I, I supposedly found it online, bought it, and found out I got scammed. And it took me eight, nine months to get my money back. But uh, it was called The Making of a Man of God. That was his message. And he, he was like the man of God in that day. There was like three or four or five people that were six people in the world. And, and he was saying that he was praying to God, make me a man of God. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, give me 20 years and I'll make you a man of God. And I remember as 18 years old thinking, if God needs 20 years to turn that guy into a man of God, I'll be 97 before God gets done with me. I couldn't believe that because I didn't understand this process that God is continually developing us and maturing us and bringing us to a place that we can be used. And so we have spiritual birth, then we have spiritual growth, and then we have the third stage, and it's spiritual maturity, and the word is glorification. And, and, um, and, and that part's be set apart. That's from the last slide. But it means, it, 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 in other words, it's seeing Jesus face to face. When we die, we step out of this body. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's the glorification. And, and, and uh, the, the word, I put the spiritual maturity we think of maturity as being older, wiser, and, that, and there's, that's, that's true. There are several words in the, in the Greek language that are translated mature. And, and, uh, but in this case, there's a word that's in the Greek called teleos. And, and, and I think of it like a telescope. How many of you have ever looked through a telescope before? You know, you look up at the sky and you see a little dot, but you look through a telescope, all of a sudden you see something much bigger. And, you know, I remember the first time I looked at the moon through a telescope and, man, I saw all the dips and valleys. and I was like, wow. You know, as a little boy, that was just phenomenal. And, um, but it's this idea that when you see Jesus face to face, you come, you are suddenly matured. Do you understand that? That when you come into the presence of God, 
there's no more growing. You've arrived. You, you have arrived as much as not that you've arrived on your own. You've arrived in that you have received your reward. There is no other ultimate maturity in the transformational process than seeing Jesus. Being with Jesus. I know we talk about being in his presence here and I love feeling his presence and all that. But to see him. To see him. I, I had a friend one time say, when I get to heaven, I've got a big old long list of questions I'm going to ask Jesus when I see him. I looked at him and I said, you are stupid. And somebody said, well, that's not very nice. Well, he's just stupid. I said, can you imagine you going to heaven with your list going, Jesus, I got a bone to pick with you. There's some issues I have questions about. No, you, you be the only one with your list and everybody up as there is going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy. And, and what are you going to do? Y'all be quiet a minute. I need to ask some questions. I don't think you're going to drop that list and go, and you're going to join in. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know, say we know. We know that when Christ appears, we shall, say shall. shall. That means going to be. Absolutely. Down, rooting, tooting, I'm telling you, is down, baby. It's secure. When we see him, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. It's not we're going to see us as we are. You know, I had a friend tell me one time, he says, I know when the rapture comes, I'm going to be looking around for you, my friend. I said, well, I'll be at the head of the pack. He said, what do you mean you'll be at the head of the pack? I said, I've been at the end of the line all my life. My last name is Zanini, Z, alphabetically. But the Bible says the last shall be first. So don't be looking back for me. I'm going to be up at the front. And he said, well, I'm going to be looking around to see if my family's there. My buddies are there. No, you're not. You're going to be looking at the one who said, come up. Come up here. Woo. And we're in his presence. And I'm not looking around to see if so-and-so made it or so-and-so made it. Maybe after about a thousand years. But I'm going to have my eyes peeled on him. Because all this time, I've been in love with one that I, who found me and pulled me out of the pit of my sins. And he brushed me off. And he put me on a high place. And he put his spirit within me. And he's walked with me for 50-something years. And there's been low times and there's been high times, good times, bad times. And 
and he's never left me. Buddy, I want to tell you, I I have a picture in my mind of what he looks like. But there's nothing on this earth. The Bible says no man knows. He's not seen. He's not here. He can't even enter into the heart of man what God has prepared. And I can't imagine what Jesus is going to look like because when he came the first time, the Bible says he set aside his father's glory. But when we walk into his presence, he's not. He's going to be clothed in his glory. My eyes are going to be on him. So don't get in my way. I might run you over. (laughs) Come on now, you know I'm playing, but I'm not. Because we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. Well, if I'm going to be like him, the process is complete. It's finished. It's done. But there's still this process. In other words, we fulfill at that moment the ultimate design of when we see him. And, 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 when, and he, I mentioned that word, teleos. It's like the, where we get the word like telescope. And it's when you're here, but you can see out beyond where you are. I'm, I'm looking. Somebody said, well, you know, I, I'm not looking for the return of the Lord. I'm just doing what I need to do. Well, the, the, then you need to be looking for the return of the Lord because I'm telling you the signs are pointing to the fact he's about to come back soon. Listen, I'm going to close. John tells us that what God's ultimate goal is that we are the children of God. We've been born again. Yet it hasn't appeared what we will be like when we meet Jesus face to face. So that's God's whole plan laid out, that that there's a spiritual birth, then there's a spiritual growing process, then there's the ultimate spiritual maturity when we see him. Isn't that what it's all about? It's not about doing good deeds for, you know, somebody said, well, I, I I want a big crown when I get to heaven. Man, your priorities are mixed up. I mean, I want a crown and I want jewels in them, but it's not for me because I'm going to cast my crown at the feet of the one who made it able that I could even get to heaven and have a crown. It's not a competition in that regard. It begins with spiritual birth, being born again. That's what we call salvation. Or what preachers are always saying, are you saved yet? Are you, do you have salvation? Then there's the journey of growing spiritually. And, and, and that's like the cocoon of fellowship, if I could put it that way, with the truth of God's word. We're going to talk more about the community part of that next week. Learning to live and experience, to become his son and daughter just because you're a child of God doesn't mean you know him as he is it takes being around him it takes spending time with him I've seen people who are workaholics and then they suddenly lose their family and they go I don't understand why would you why, you, why are you breaking this up? And they look at him and go, break what up? You're never here. 
lose this. Lose what? You, you've tossed it aside your whole life. You put work before family. And I see Christians do that in their own personal walk with God. And I see them do it in their, their, their fellowship with brothers and sisters in the Lord. They put other priorities above God and above his church and above fellowship with one another. Look, when you go to heaven, you're not bringing your sports schedule or your 401k or anything else. You're going to be with God and with his people. And if you don't like spending time with them here, you're never, well, I don't know if you'll get there. I'm just being honest. We have to learn to experience being a son or daughter of the king. And learning is a process. There are no spiritual GEDs. And the ones that I've seen who have tried to skip on past a lot of things end up failing or falling because of the very basic things. They were not taught, they were not tested, they were not tried in those areas. And then one day, the goal is to see him face to face. Go back to Romans 12 again, the beginning of Romans 12, verse two. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Anybody want to guess what that word transformed is in Greek? Metamorphosis. It's that process. That, thing, that caterpillar doesn't just go zip, zip, here I am. It's in there, literally the science says that what the body it has begins to dissolve into like a soup type mixture and then be reformed again. And I thought, oh, I've been in that spiritual cocoon a lot of times. Or you think, we sing, mold me, make me, and God goes, break me, I'll do it. No, 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 no. Just mold me and make me. Don't do no breaking. <laughs> Metamorphosis or spiritual transformation is not external. It's an internal thing. It's from the inside out. He says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't be conformed to the values of this world. Don't be conformed to the expectations of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Why, do you, why? What's the point? Well, read the last half of that verse. Then, say then. So he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then... In other words, if you're not, if you're, if you're conformed to the pattern of the world and you're conformed to, you want their values and their patterns. I, I, you know, today it just hit me this morning when I was thinking about this. I got, some of y'all don't know. Saturday night to Sunday, I have my message 
pretty much laid out. And there's a lot of times I will dream me preaching the message and preaching points that I have not put down. And then I get up the next morning, grab my cup of coffee, and I go sit at my desk, and I go, take that out, take that out, put this in, put this in before I forget it. And, 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 and it, was, it, was, it was then I realized that it says, then, if you, if, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. You know what the biggest thing in the world, one of the biggest things right now is, is called social influencers. These people from even young kids. I'm like, where are your parents? They want to be social influencers. They, 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 their, their opinion or their style or their idea or whatever. And, and I mean, that, you know, how many followers do you have? I've got 400,000. Oh, well, that's all you have. I have a million too. You know, whatever. You're like... And, and I really don't think five, 500,000 people listen to every single word that comes out of a person's mouth. But if they are influencers, think about that. And so God is saying to us as Christians, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't be influencers of the world's pattern. But be renewed in your thinking. How's that come about? By the word of God. This is God's perfect will. So it's, it's taking out the stuff that we've learned and having to retrain. When I was in the restaurant business, I'd, I'd interview people, and people would come in and go, uh, oh, I've worked at this place and this place and this place and this place. I've got tons of experience. And I had my little code that I would put on there. Andrew, I would put this little code up in the top, and it meant no way. Because I would spend more time untraining them from what they know, whereas I'd rather take a rookie off the street who knows nothing about cooking and teach them my way. Amen. I'm telling you. And, and they, I, I tried it the first couple times. And I said, oh, you know, here, here's somebody has got experience, man. Put them in. And they wouldn't listen for all the tea in China. And finally, I just have to fire them. I said, why, I'm, why are you letting me go? I said, because you don't listen. You are not willing to conform to our standards and our way of doing things. You want to integrate somebody else's way of doing it. That's not what we want here. And so many Christians think they can do that in the church. They're going to bring the ways of the world into the church and then conform them together. And you know what? You're creating something that's not natural. Because the church is meant to be supernatural. I don't know how I get started on that. But it says, after you transform your thinking, after you don't conform to the pattern of this world, then, and only then, will you be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Notice that the will of God is good. Say, the will of God is good. Look at your neighbor and go, God's will is good. And it is perfect. 
I have people all. I used to have people all the time. There used to be a teaching that floated around that you could walk in God's perfect will or His permissive will. Bobby, you remember that? Oh my goodness, that floated around the church like, you know, God's got a perfect will, but we're all imperfect, so he has a permissive will that lets you go off on your own tangent and do your own thing, but God will eventually bring you back into his will and all that kind of, that's a lie from the pit of hell. God has a perfect will. He wants you to walk in that perfect will. Does that mean that I'm perfect and I have never missed it? I've missed it a lot, but when I've missed it, I've paid for it. So it's, 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 it's not rationalizing things in my own mind as I understand it. It's being renewed by the word of God so that I can test what is good and pleasing and perfect as far as the will of God goes. See, for the will of God is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. And God wants, and Jesus wants, the Holy Spirit wants to progressively transform us from the inside out. Why? So that a year from now, or five years from now, or ten years from now, if Jesus tarries, or the, you go to a high school reunion, or a college class reunion, or, or, or you join a club that you used to be a part of, or whatever, several years ago. And when you show up, people talk to you and they go, you ain't like you used to be. Son, you was like, you were like the, the party, party hardy, head, let's go out and do it, and let's bring up a good time, and all, what happened to you? They see the difference. On the inside, they see it. They recognize it's you, but they go, something's happened to you. What is that? And that gives us the open door. It's Jesus in me. It's what Jesus is doing in me. It's not me. Believe me, if it was me, I'd be, I'd be almost right where you are. That wouldn't be a good way to do it. <laughs> You know, but listen, the early church transformed the world because people were asking them and the world was pretty crazy in the early church days, pretty much like the, our world is today, about the hope. They were asking them about the hope that was in them. These people had such hope and their lives were so different and, and that's what God wants for us. He, you say, I've been trying to witness to my, my worker, uh, you know, the person I work with. I've been trying to witness to my teacher. I've been trying to witness to my husband. I've been trying to witness. Let them see Jesus in you. Let the process of Christ work in you. And then them, let them go. What happened to you? And you go. What do you mean? You're not the same person. You used to lose your temper four or five times a day. All of a sudden, you, you're calm. And you're at peace. What's going on? You on drugs or something? I said, no, man. I took me a gospel. That's all I took. Yeah, it took a while for some of you. See, the enemy, the devil, wants you and I to believe that it is impossible for this transformation process to happen in our lives. We think, and he tells us, 
Oh, well, that's meant for pastors or missionaries or God's favorite few. And that's a lie. And it's the reason why the church in America has lost its influence in the culture today. So let me close with this statement and then a couple of scripture verses. Before biblical transformation can begin, we, I, you, must determine whether we, I, you, are willing to commit to God's process. So you can't just go, well, yeah, 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 God, yeah, do, do that thing pastor was talking about. You, you need to understand this is a process. And God's with you all the way through it. I'm telling you, he's, he's God's with you. See, God stands at the ready with his promises. I wrote this down this morning as I woke up and I wrote it down. The Father says, I, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. God says, I know what I have planned for you. You don't. Are you willing to trust me in the process? The Holy Spirit is also ready. In John chapter 14, verse 26, it says, But when the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have told you. So the Father says, I've got plans for you. You can't imagine. And the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and he's going to teach us and he's going to remind us. Some people think, I just have a hard time reminding, remembering those things. Pray every day. Pray several times a day. Holy Spirit, bring back to remembrance the things that I need each and every day that I can walk in this process that you have laid out for me. For I know that you have prepared something glorious for me, that you have a perfect will for my life. Bring back to remembrance, Holy Spirit, the things that I, when I, when I, when I fail, when I sin, when I fall down, I don't stay down because I remember you bring back those things and you re I'm reminded that you're not there to condemn. You're there to lift me up. You're there to comfort me. You're there to instruct me. You're there to set you, me on my path. And then Jesus completed everything that was necessary on the cross and through his resurrection when he declared, it is finished. It's finished. So the Father's ready. Jesus has prepared the way. Holy Spirit's ready. The final part of spiritual transformation process is up to us. And I close with, again with Romans 12 and 2, the first part. Be not conformed to the pattern of this world. but re, be renewed, transformed by the renewing 
of your mind. There was a transformation process that was hidden from us in that film as that caterpillar had shed its skin and formed that cocoon. There was a transformation going on inside. Who could have ever dreamed that big old ugly green worm with spots all over it could cover itself up and then come out as an exorbitant beautiful butterfly? God says, that's what I want for you. So the first step, if you're sitting, if you've never given your life to Christ, you've never surrendered your life to Christ, or maybe you have, but you've taken it back. And, and I know a lot of people, they do that. Because you know why? Because they've been trying to follow Jesus through the self-help method. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. You can't do that. You'll never, ever grow. You'll never grow. You know what happens? You quit growing and you start faking it. And that's a dangerous place to be. <laughs> Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. A new life is being processed in you. Let the Holy Spirit have his way. You and I, on a daily basis, have to determine whether we're willing to let God have his process in us. And I don't care if you're a brand new believer, or you've been following the Lord 20 years, or 50 years. You know what? I know a lot of people have come to a point and said, I've, I've, I've got enough. I had, a man, I had a man years ago up in a church in North Louisiana. He got mad at me. I used to put out little notes for my sermon. And he, he got mad one Wednesday night. And he crumpled up those notes. And he came running down the aisle. He's a big old fella. Come running down the aisle. Veins was popping out of his neck. I knew there was something wrong. Marshall wasn't happy. And he came down, he was up on the platform. He came down and took that thing and he said, I'm sick of this. And he threw that paper at me. I just ducked. I said, what's the matter? He said, I don't come to church to learn. I just come to have church. I'm sick of learning. He said, I learned all I needed to when I graduated from school. And a few people were in the choir behind me watching this they were waiting to see what I was going to do and I just sat there I said well I'm sorry for you and he stormed off and I looked and said there is a ignorant man I wasn't mad at him I was flabbergasted honestly that anybody could say I've learned all I need to learn I just come to have church you know what he was looking for? He wants to say, sing a few songs, shout and run the aisles or whatever, make somebody make him feel good and go back to living the way he was living. And I knew what his lifestyle was. But if you're ready for God, to, you're ready to surrender and let God have his process of spiritual transformation take place in your life. 
or maybe it's been at a standstill for a while and you're ready for God to renew it and you're ready to tell him that if you're able to would you just stand right where you're at and say God here I am here I am have your work do your work in me right now God I'm standing I'm standing for myself because there's more there's more Lord there's more God let the process continue let your process continue in our lives Jesus there's times we know that the spirit points things out that are difficult or uncomfortable but God we know it's you God we surrender to the process you're working in our lives we surrender to the process you're working in our lives would you say that with me right now all of you I surrender to the process you are working in my life Holy Spirit we know that you keep good records look around this room right now look at those who are watching by way of the internet and take note and begin that transformational process for the glory of our Heavenly Father see it's not about for our glory or our name the thing about that butterfly is once it came out and once it was transformed you know what it did it went off and got nourishment and laid eggs to begin the life process all over again and then that what a Christian's called to do we're called to go out and I'm not talking about laying eggs but we're go, we're called to go out and bring new life help usher in new life birth new life so it's not just about me being comfortable it's about me being used for the glory of his name and his kingdom purpose God that's what it's all about and we just pray Lord God for this year would you just join with me and pray with me right now God let your transformation process take place in my life let it take place in my home. Let it take place in my family. Let it take place in our, my church. Let it take place in my workplace. Let it take place in my business. Let it take place in my city, in my town, in my community. Let it take place in our state. Let it take place in our nation. Let it take place around the world. Transform your church into the powerhouse that it was meant to be that the world might see the hope that is refined in us and they ask and God we able to point them and lead them to Jesus that's what we pray for Lord this year have your way bring transformation in our lives and through our lives in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Amen. Amen. Everything and nothing less Give you everything and nothing less Forever everything and nothing less Come on, just make a declaration for a moment My is yours Completely yours Everything and nothing less Everything and nothing less Oh, I give you everything and nothing less forever everything and nothing less my life is yours completely yours everything and nothing less I give you everything nothing less forever everything and nothing less my life is yours completely yours if you need prayer for anything come at this time and we'll pray for you Otherwise, you can continue on worshiping the Lord. You can talk to Him right where you're at. Or if you need to go upstairs to the children's meeting, you can do that. But I just pray God's richest blessings on you this week. He's going to show you some transformational truths for your life. In Jesus' name, amen.